Hello and welcome to Life Changing Science, the Bible the Podcast. I'm your host, Zeeshan Siddiqui, and joining me today is Jenny Nemlikar. Jenny is an accessories entrepreneur with 14 years of direct to consumer digital sales and marketing experience. She currently has an amazing luxury handbags business, which I will link to in the show notes. Jenny completed her undergrad in bioengineering at UT Austin, and after a very successful gig with the MIT iGym team in 2005, she went on to make some incredible designs freelancing for Biobricks, Open Wetware, Ginkgo Bioworks, and of course, Biobuilder. Let's hear more about this wonderful journey and dive right into this episode. I think this is back when uh, in 2005 when you were an undergraduate student at UT Austin studying bioengineering. What got you interested in iGEM and just talk to I'd love to hear more about your experience with the MIT iGEM team and I, I know you also worked with Natalie Kildell and Drew Endy so I'll yeah I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, um, well, it's written that I was an advisor. I was I was actually part of the team. The story is actually interesting. It was my freshman year as a biomedical engineer at the University of Texas at Austin. And over the spring break, I actually went to San Francisco to visit my cousin, Lauren Ha, who was actually in the molecular biology space at the time. And we were just catching up. She asked me, like, oh, do you have an internship lined up for the summer? And I was like, uh, to be honest, I was mostly trying not to fail like multivariable calculus and organic chemistry. So I hadn't thought as far as the summer yet. And she just asked me, oh, have you heard of Drew Endy at MIT? Um, she mentioned that he was doing really cool work in this emerging field called synthetic biology. And the next thing I know, she's opening an issue of Wired magazine and showing me this feature with him. And she was like, you know what, I'll just call him up. I know him from his postdoc work and you can just chat with him. So I'm on the phone with Drew, who I had just literally heard about. And I was just talking to him about my interests in exploring biology and engineering and building cool stuff because in high school I had a lot of experience in biotech and I was also part of the robotics team and an engineering club. So he just recruited me to join iGEM in the summer of 2005 on the MIT team. So my summer internship opportunity, check. Um, What he actually didn't divulge at the time was that there was actually an iGEM team at UT Austin Um, at the time. I learned about it later after we had signed all the paperwork for me to do my internship at MIT. And so he sent me over to the UT team, which was led by, um, it was an Ellington lab with Jeff Tabor, who was actually the grad student who did the Bactograph. And he sent me over there to learn some tricks of the trade before coming back to MIT and taking like what I learned back. And Jeff Tabor asked me, he was like, are you a spy? And um, I had quite an advantage, I think, when I came to MIT, because I think I was like the only member who didn't end up with contaminated growth medium because I had my sterile technique down pat by then with all the practice. And so summer 2005 comes along, I'm at MIT. 
And Drew and Natalie are among the faculty mentors there. And we have like one of our, I think, first progress presentations coming up. And we open our first slide and Drew right away asked, who made this PowerPoint template and why are we not using this for our department? And so I sheepishly raised my hand and I'm like, oh, that was me. And I might have spent more time beautifying the Microsoft PowerPoint template over the actual data itself, but that's besides the point. I'm glad my efforts were noticed and appreciated. Drew asks if I can design a logo for this project he's been working on called BioBricks Foundation, which was my first official paid graphic design gig that I got. And from there, I got recruited to make icons and small graphics for a project called Open Wetware, which was kind of in its beginning stages. Um, and then uh, Jason Kelly and Barry Canton were a big part of Open Wetware. And so when they were starting their little startup company called Ginkgo Bioworks, they contacted me to design the logo for it. So at this point, I feel like I had really started to develop my own artistic style within the scientific community. I felt like my design aesthetic was kind of like simple and I think people liked it because it like it was iconic. And by iconic, I mean it was like my graphics could literally service as an icon button. It was just simple, fully explainable within a few pixels. And so I love that challenge of kind of simplifying complicated biological mechanisms and making them look easy to understand and memorable. When did BioBuilder come about? Because that collaboration would have started, I mean, before BioBuilder existed. Oh, yeah, right. So, yeah, BioBuilder, we started uh, years prior. So after iGEM, I did work at um, a startup company kind of in doing commercial applications for synthetic biology called Code on Devices, but it stopped existing in um, 2009. After that, it was the fall of 2007, literally on the first day of my junior year in college, uh, Natalie contacted me saying, hey, I've been working on a synthetic biology education project over the summer, and you'd be the perfect person to build a website for it. So now I had never created a website before, but Natalie was confident that I'd be perfect for it. So I was confident in her confidence. So of course I said yes. Now, the first thing I needed to do was buy a domain name. So I asked her what website she wanted me to buy for the project and she hadn't come up with anything concrete at the time. So we tossed around ideas like engineer biology, SynBio 101, buildbiology.org, design features, BioBuilder was one of those. It was actually quite a long list of options. We had like 20-something options on the table before she gave me her top three, and then I chose my favorite one, and that's how we came up with biobuilder.org. And it's, yeah, it's really interesting because there were just so many names available at that time. You know, there's, it's not like everything was taken or anything. And so it was, we just chose BioBuilder because I think it was just, it was like short, easy to remember, kind of straight to the point. Yeah. So at the time she wanted the website to be a space to post like links to papers, quizzes, and we were, they were working on videos with Device Dude and Sally. So uh, my work specifically was just around 
building the structure and general aesthetic of the website. So at the time, like Squarespace and those simple website builders weren't readily available. And um, at this point, I did finally invest in um, Adobe Creative Suite because before when I was making logos, I was actually using PowerPoint, um, Microsoft PowerPoint, which is a vector-based program, a very strong program. So I did actually all my logos with a free student version of PowerPoint that I had. And so uh, with my graphic design earnings, I did buy the Adobe Creative Suite. So it had Adobe Dreamweaver, which is a website builder. So I just basically learned a lot of HTML code to make a good-looking website at the time. So quite quite the learning experience. When you were making the website and you said you had to, you know, mm-hmm. Natalie initially wanted links to papers and quizzes, etc. Who was the t- uh, the target audience um, at, at the start? And how, I guess because you had to, I guess, keep in mind the target audience when designing the website and its functionality. Right. At the time she had, we had mostly like comic strip type things. So for like a younger age group, she kind of wanted to see, like introduce younger kids, school age kids to the synthetic biology space. And so my initial drawings for the website were a little like cartoonish crayon-y. And she was like, okay, maybe we'll do it a little less crayon-y so that we, so adults don't feel like bad looking at the website either. And so that was like kind of going back and forth between making it approachable for a young audience, but also not excluding an older audience who would want to get interested in this field. So, okay, so you had the initial website made. Do you remember when it was launched? I think she was, I think her goal was to launch it um, in 2008. Yeah. a lot of the stuff, yeah. yeah. And so, what else did the what did the website uh, contain initially? So, other than the papers and the quizzes, and you had sort of the comic strip drawings, uh, which oh, about synthetic biology. Oh, I'd actually love to see some of those. I know, I, I wish I had. I was like, wow, I really wish I had kept a portfolio of these things because, like, at the time, I was just like, oh, whatever's on the internet will just like stay there. And I've realized that that is not the case at all. So I don't know if Natalie has screenshots or anything from the early times, but I looked through my emails and I couldn't find uh, any of these things to review. I'm sure it's this somewhere. I know. I'm sure it's on like, I'm sure a Wayback Machine. Yeah, because it would be cool to have though, I guess like screenshots of the the first website up in like the new learning lab space. Um uh, I think mm-hmm. that could be cool. We could like frame it and put it up there. And so how do you decide when um, like a website is, is ready to launch? I guess there's no perfect time to launch. Um, and okay, yeah. So you had, okay, we'll come back to the question, which you had the papers, you had the quizzes, you had the comic strip drawings. Uh, what else did the mm-hmm. initial website contain and how was the initial reception? I worked with the initial structure, but at the time I was also trying to finish my biomedical engineering degree. So I was working on this kind of like at night and just kind of um, doing things as Natalie needed. Like anytime she needed like a task to be done, that's when I would like add something or change up a graphic or whatnot. But she was able to populate the pages um, herself so that or whoever she was working with other people as well. So my work was mostly in um, getting the website structure and the artistic design kind of 
created and then all the populating was done on her side. And this experience, um, I, I presume this was one of your first experiences with, um, I guess, building up your design portfolio and exploring that field more. Mm-hmm. And do you feel this experience with BioBuilder really laid the fi- foundation for you to, because the next step would have been uh, freelance designing, right? Yeah, actually, the freelance designing happened in just right after the iGEM 2005. So I was doing a lot of graphic design, kind of like just small logo projects. And then Natalie was the one who really trusted me with like creating a website, which I had never done at the time. So I felt like it was a lot of art projects put together. Yeah, that makes sense. And that really propelled. Yeah, and I just felt like that built up so much confidence in like I just didn't know that I could have such an art forward career while being completely immersed in a scientific environment you know like for me the path that my parents had kind of strongly suggested that I do was you know go to biomedical engineering and from there you can either get an engineering job or you can continue and go to medical school and become a surgeon. So like I've always been an artistic person in all the groups that I've always been in. People always called me the artsy one. And so I just I never thought that those two would collide. So Natalie and her faith in my abilities, even when I didn't know if I could do it, really just illuminated this path that I didn't know existed for me that like, oh, I could actually have a career in an artistic field. And so that's kind of when the bag business, so now you know that I create handbags, which has nothing to do with, it, with synthetic biology, but all this development with, um, with Drew and with Natalie, kind of like having so much faith in me and doing something that I actually love, but I didn't know what's possible because I thought like oh I'll just be a scientist I'll do the art stuff on the side but when I could combine them I thought oh okay so I'll move more into the art um, category so the bag business actually came about towards the end of my graphic design business I was wanting to move into work that involved less screen time and more along the lines of making things like 3d things with my hands um bags just kind of came up because I had learned to make a small tote bag when I was like six years old. And so while I was procrastinating on studying, I was like, I'm just going to buy a sewing machine with some fabric and make something. And it was quite fun. Funny side story. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time when he walked into my apartment, he was like, what did you say your major was again? Because there was like not a single science textbook in sight. Basically, in a corner, you'd find like a sewing machine with stacks of fabric and a mannequin. On another corner, you'd find an easel with a half-finished painting and a bunch of paintbrushes. And my desk was filled with like jewelry making supplies. So I've always done like arts and crafts in my free time during my whole entire life. So it was really no surprise to anyone that I'd just like buy a sewing machine randomly, start a new hobby and start selling things that I made because I would accumulate so much stuff. So when I started interviewing for biomedical engineering jobs, um, I had already established a decent side hustle of selling my bags on Etsy, 
which was actually at the time a very small e-commerce website. And it was actually paying my bills. So I wasn't extremely desperate for, you know, like a real job. And so to make things even more interesting, I was also graduating in the midst of the Great Recession of 2008-2009. So I figured I'd keep going with the side hustle of making and selling bags and then just continue to keep my eyes open for a job in biotech. And and now it's been 14 years and I never did get around to getting that biotech job. But to make this, you know, a full circle experience, uh, Natalie contacts me 14 years after our initial biobuilder collaboration asking if I can make bags from this beautiful tarp designed by Karen Ingram, who I know was a guest on the podcast. And I find it so interesting because she's an artist turned bioengineer, and I'm like the bioengineer turned artist. And I just love how that happened. And um, I couldn't say no to Natalie. So of course, I offer my sewing expertise in turning Karen's art into um, promotional bags for BioBuilder. You can never say no to Natalie. Uh. <laughs> I know. She just has a way of like making you feel totally confident that you can do it. Because I had never sewn with this material before. Like this was the like a tarp that was used for like scaffolding to kind of beautify like a construction area in New York City, I think. It was like a beautification project. And I was, and she was like, can you turn this into a bag? And I was like, you can send me some material and I can try because I'm not going to say no. <laughs> but yeah, it totally worked out. And I love how Natalie has like a way of bringing everyone in, you know? So when you uh, first started uh, with the handbags all those years ago, I presume it was just in your bedroom with a bunch of like sewing machines and material um, and that it grew from there. So at the moment, uh, how how big is the team or is it still just you? <laughs> <laughs> it's still me. I'm not in a, my bedroom anymore. I have yeah. my own study and I have, now I have like, in an industrial sewing machine. So I have a big cast iron sewing machine for my leather work. And I've got a pretty, I've got more high tech equipment than I did before. And I've, yeah, I've just spent kind of every year um, growing in that, like growing in my expertise and my designing. And I think the bag just, it, it's so funny because I came into meeting Drew and Natalie as this like really excited young student who was like, I want to do stuff with like bioengineering. And then I like, they slowly brought out the inner artist that was kind of always wanting to come through. And so I really appreciate all of the, the confidence that they brought out of me from these experiences because I I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it weren't for them empowering me in the art field to have the confidence that like oh I can make a career out of this <laughs> yeah I, I guess you were provided with sort of the environment the confidence for you to discover that you can you, you, I think Natalie and Bible and Drew they gave you the platform needed for you to be like, yeah. oh, this is a this could be a real career. This could be um, something bigger than the side hustle. 
Um, mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the key skills? I think we've touched on most of this, though. But what are the key skills and sensibilities that you've taken from your experience with BioBuilder uh, that has helped you um, in your career as as a designer, as an entrepreneur? I think with the work for BioBuilder, um, I learned firstly how to create a website that would appeal to others. So one of the things that we had to consider was the broader audience of who we were kind of like, you know, marketing to. And all of these things about creating a space that's easy to navigate, simple to find the answers, and really help guide how I can create I mean, I th- I think it leads into everything, like how, for me, I've been able to create a website, basically selling my goods and kind of being exclusively an online direct-to-consumer space. So the features are still there of just like understanding the audience, how can I create graphics and photos that are appealing to the customer so that things look simple and easy to find. And so those were kind of the the key characteristics that I took from the experience I had as a graphic designer and a website builder for a bio builder. Thanks once again to Jenny for joining me today. What I found really insightful and inspiring was hearing Jenny talk about her entire journey, actually. Jenny took things step by step, because going from bioengineering to making a successful luxury handbag company is a massive move, but she was able to find the right environment to thrive in. And what I mean by that is she surrounded herself with people that believed in her, and this of course gave her the confidence needed to navigate her career. This is something I feel a lot of us can relate to with so many different opportunities these days and uncertainty, the gig economy, the great resignation. I feel it's always good to hear about how someone else was able to find direction or at least how to take that first step or that next step. So if you're one of those people, I feel you will love this episode. If you would like to learn more about anything Jenny and I discussed today, please refer to the show notes. Join me for the next BioBuilder podcast. We'll welcome another wonderful guest whose career has been influenced by BioBuilder's life-changing science. See you next time.